bit too loud. Turn, turn the button down. Yep. Uh, okay. Uh, well, I'm touching on a sermon this morning, just a one-off sermon uh, for this month, uh, and then in the month of February we'll start a book of uh, Nehemiah, uh, and Pastor Bruce will carry on a series on the building of foundation. Can I have the PowerPoint up? These are real, actual words that appeared in the bulletin of a church all across uh, the world. There are some bloopers, some mistake that appears in the uh, uh, bulletin and church newsletter. These are some of them. The first one is in the bulletin that said, The sermon this morning, Jesus walks on the water. And the sermon tonight, searching for Jesus. <laughs> Another one is, The pastor will preach his farewell message after which the choir will sing, break forth into joy. <laughs> and the third one is the senior choir invites any member of the congregation to enjoy singing to join the choir. <laughs> At the evening service tonight, the sermon topic will be, What is Hell? Come early and listen to our choir practice. <laughs> Remember in prayer, the many who are sick of our church and community. Uh, next Sunday, Mrs. Vincent will be soloist for the morning service, and then the pastor will speak on it's a terrible experience. Uh, ushers will eat late comers. Uh, evening massage, 6 p.m. The agenda was adopted, the minutes were approved, the financial secretary gave a grief report. Uh, Barbara remains in hospital and needs blood donors for more transfusions. She's also having trouble sleeping and she requests tapes of Pastor Jack's sermon. <laughs> uh, we have received sudden word of the passing of Reverend Smith this morning during the worship service. And now let's sing praise God from whom all blessings flow. Uh, the church will host an evening of the... The church will host an evening of fine dining, superb entertainment, and gracious hostility. Uh, the outreach committee has enlisted 25 visitors to make calls on people who are not afflicted with any church. <laughs> and then another one said, on the church bulletin during minister's illness, they say, God is good. Uh, Dr. Smith is better, <laughs> which is a blasphemy. Uh, the last one is announcement in the church bulletin that says, the National Prayer and Fasting Conference the cost for attending the fasting and prayer conference includes meals. Well, we make mistakes in our lives, small mistakes, big mistakes, some mistakes really not life-changing. Uh, but one of the things we need to remember is our past doesn't, uh, it's a lesson for us, it's not a life sentence. And so today, we, I want to look at the book of James, a certain passage in the book of James concerning about future. How, what kind of mistake? James actually gives us some points on some mistakes that we, we Christians make pertaining to future. And I want to give you uh, three mistakes pertaining to future that is listed by James and then uh, a solution being proposed with each mistake that we may make. James, uh, the author of James is not the Apostle James. Uh, he is the uh, uh, half-brother of Jesus. He's a very prominent figure. Uh, even both Peter, who is the, who is the uh, uh, apostle to the Jew, and Paul, who is the apostle to the Gentiles, they all look up to uh, James as the figure, head. 
And he's a no-nonsense man. If you're, if you're familiar with the book of James, in four chapters, you can read it in about 15 minutes. Uh, it's very, it's, he's a no-nonsense man. And he, he doesn't have gray color appears in his mind. He's very black or white. He's very strong, very serious. No such thing as but. You know? But... He's very focused, very strong. And what is black is black. What is white is white. And, uh, and he talked about various things. Let me just read to you this passage, and then I'll give to you three mistakes that we sometimes can make pertaining to facing the future. Let me read this text to you first. It said, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year here, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and you brag. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do doesn't do it sins. I will come to that. Let me just give to you uh, three common mistakes that some of us as Christians uh, make in facing the future. The first common mistake we make in facing the future is planning without God. Planning without God. In verse 13, uh, James tells us this mistake that we can all make, planning without having God in the picture. He said, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Now, let's be clear that James is not talking just about planning. He's talking about planning without God. We all plan. It's quite clear that we need to plan. So we are, it's not about against planning per se. Some of us will really plan what to have for lunch or for dinner. I'm planning to go to Sydney tomorrow. Uh, we all make plans. But the key things that James was against is not planning, but planning without God. God, that God is not in the picture in your planning. Let me give two verses very quickly. Like it's not so that you won't know that it's planning. That's again, and it becomes very uh, fatalistic. Just whatever will be, will be kind of approach. It's not talking about that. And so Luke 14, uh, Jesus said this very clearly. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. He's talking about discipleship. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it. In the context of discipleship, that we have to think of the cost of discipleship uh, before we plunge in and say, I want to follow Jesus. And so he's not against planning. Another verse in Proverbs that we're all familiar with, he said, go to the end, you sluggard, consider its ways and be wise. It has no command commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stalls its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. So the point is that you can be a believer and yet forget God in your daily life. I mentioned about two weeks ago that there are uh, 
three categories of people that sometimes we say they're an atheist, atheist say there's no God, and then you have agnostic that say, well, maybe there's God, maybe there's no God, I don't know. And then there's theists that say there is God. But the fourth category is what I call practical atheists. Some conceptually you believe in God, but in your practical daily life, God is not in the picture. And so uh, there is this first mistake that we, we make as a believer in facing the future is the planning without God. And God is not in the picture. And James is telling us, no, 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 you don't say that. And then he says on this. So the solution is, in verse 15, he said you must include God in your plan. If you believe in God, if God is with you, you believe the Holy Spirit resides in you, whatever plan you have, you have to bring God into the picture. You have to consult God. And that's where prayer comes into praise. And then he says in verse 15, instead, see, he's not against planning. Instead, you ought to bring him. You ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. God is and must be in the picture. In your planning, God wants there to be a small parenthesis. God, you may interrupt. You may interrupt. You may interrupt. And so the first mistake we make is planning without God. And the solution is we must always consciously ask God to be part of it. Lord, what do you think? This is my plan. What do you think, Lord? I have, I have discovered in the process of bringing God into the picture, even you don't get an audible, direct voice, yes or no, you know, that kind of answer that some of us seems to uh, uh, want in, in a certain Pentecostal charismatic circle of God, direct words. Some do experience that, uh, but majority of the time uh, it's not like that in a sense. But I realize that prayer actually purifies your motives. Prayer actually is a process of decision making. And when the motive is pure, when the motive is bright, then you make clearer and wiser decisions. And prayer allows that because you're constantly consulting God and God is in the process of purifying your motive as you make certain decisions, as you work towards certain things. In the process of doing that. And uh, and we need to include God into and you realize that when you include God into our life, everything, every small little thing you you do, it becomes a beautiful thing. Someone says that holiness comes wrapped in the ordinary. Holiness comes wrapped in the ordinary. There are burning bushes all around you. Every tree is full of angels, but hidden beauty is waiting in every crumb. Hidden beauty is waiting in every crumb. Every similar, ordinary, normal thing, it becomes beautiful when God is involved in the picture of your planning. So that's the first mistake, planning without God concerning our future and the solution is always involve Him. Lord, this is what I think. What do you think? Please intervene. Please interrupt and make it beautiful for your sake. Second mistake we make is presuming about tomorrow. So the first one is planning without God. James went on to tell us the second mistake that we can make as a believer that is presuming about tomorrow. It's quite a 
death sentence in a sense. Very strong words that James, as I said, he there's no gray in his mind. He's either black or white, and he's very strong with his word. This is what he said in verse 14. He said, Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. And then he said, What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Even if you live to 100 years old, it's a little while. And then it vanishes. And so, the second mistake is that we make pertaining to the future is presuming about tomorrow. And here, in uh, the first part of it, why you shouldn't presume about the future? Because life is unpredictable. Life is unpredictable. Anybody can predict tomorrow I'm driving to Sydney. I cannot predict what will happen. I make plans to stay at our friend's place and this and that. Stay overnight in Orbos to meet uh, Vicky Jensen, who's an Australian Christian, stay the night with her, uh, her motel. Uh, why we should not presume about tomorrow? Because life is unpredictable. Here, James say, why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. We don't even know what will happen tonight, much less next week or next year. And the truth is that no one can predict the future. Last Sunday morning at this time, no one could have guessed, oh, that was going to, with some of us, our members. They said there's a, there's a, there's a word within the word life, L-I-F-E. And the word within the word life is the word if, I-F, in the middle. Smack in between that word is the word if. Anyway, you look at it, life sometimes can be pretty iffy, if you may. And Proverbs 27 also mentioned, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. And so why you should not presume on tomorrow? James said, well, life is unpredictable. You don't know what will happen tomorrow. So there's some, another mistake we make is presuming about tomorrow, presuming about tomorrow and we shouldn't because life is unpredictable and James went on to say not just only life is unpredictable but life is brief it is so brief he said what is your life you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes life is brief very very short Jesus lived an early life of 33 years my best friend lived a, a brief life of 38 years. In the last six months, our three friends died in, a, in the 50s zone. 53, 58, and 58. Life is brief. Life is short. Our lives are like a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. And the Greek word here, uh, atmos, from which we get the word atmosphere, which is that invisible layer of water vapor that encircles our planet and our lives are like a mist in the grand scheme of things. You do not know that the Bible compared life to many things? Let me just give you a few. Eh? Uh, in Job chapter 7, uh, the Bible tells us that life is like the wind. Look at uh, Job chapter 7. Remember, O God, that my life is but a breath. My eyes will never see happiness 
again because Job was in that 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 difficult situation. Said, My life is but a breath. And then the Bible also talks about life like a shadow. One chronicle tells us that we are aliens and strangers in your sight, as were all our forefathers. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. Like a shadow. And then Psalms 39, uh, our days on earth are, are like the weave of our, our hands. That's short. Psalms 39 says, You have made my life no longer than the weave of my hand. My entire lifespan, lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. And then the Bible also tells us that the life is like a weaver's web. Weaver's web. Isaiah 38. My life has been blown away like a shepherd's tent in a storm. It has been cut short as when a weaver cuts cloth from a loom. Suddenly, my life was over. Like a web. A spider web or something that you see with a brush and shoo, gone. Outside my house, I always do that. Shoo. Spend hours building up. Or my vacuum cleaner. Suck it up. And then in 1 Samuel, again, it's like a vapor. 1 Samuel 20. David said, Yet as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, there is only a step. This is a conversation between David and Jonathan. They took some vows. Yet as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, there is only a step between me and death. And then James chapter 4 again remind us that life is like a vapor, like a vapor, like a mist. On winter morning, you go to your car, there's a mist. In a little while, it will vanish. Did you know that a lightning, lightning bolt lasts about 45 to 55 microseconds? The average running shoe worn by the average runner on the average surface will last about 560 to 800 kilometers. Don't ask me what is average. A hard pencil can write up to 30,000 words or draw a line more than 48 kilometers long. And most ballpoint pens will draw a line 4,000 to 7,500 feet long. And the leather combat boots have a wartime lifespan of six months and a peacetime lifespan of eight months. A 100-watt bulb will last about 750 hours. A 25-watt bulb will last 2,500 hours. The number of times a light bulb is turned on and off has little to do with its lifespan. And so time, there will come an end. And here, uh, James is saying, well, life is unpredictable, life is brief, so concerning about future, you cannot presume too much about too far ahead future. Someone said, the atheist said there's no tomorrow. Uh, the Christian said there is plenty of hope for tomorrow. The teenager says tomorrow can't get there fast enough. And many of us seniors here say, well, tomorrow already here. <laughs> And so what is the solution to uh, uh, the problem of uh, not presuming about tomorrow? The solution is live one day at a time. Live one day at a time. While we plan and involve God, 
but we must consciously aware, live in awareness. Live in awareness. Many of us are not aware of life. We just exist. We don't live. We need to live with awareness. And the whole Eastern uh, religion is all about that, isn't it? Michael, my friend Michael is here, Michael Cramp. And one of these days, I'm going to get him to share his amazing testimony. 28 years deep into Eastern religion. You can read a book that he wrote in Kurong as well. Uh, he's here with us. It's good to connect with you again, Michael. Uh, he will share with us. I remember he told me, uh, he said, whole, isn't it? It's about awareness. You create this, this awareness that we are not aware of. Uh, so live one day at a time with future in mind, but live one day at a time with a correct perspective to life. And Jesus says that in Matthew chapter 6, uh, in, the, in the Sermon on the Mount, in the, con in, the, in the context of do not worry, that we are all famous with, and, and towards the end, he said, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. And you worry about today, uh, it may rob you of today. Worry is like sitting on a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it gets you nowhere. It gets you nowhere. And some of us are chronic worrier. We are forever worrying that the worst will happen to us. The worst will happen to, you know, we are always, and you can't, you can't possibly prepare for every option. You can't. And some who try to obsessively control their today in order to ensure their tomorrow, this is a false security. Our faith tomorrow is only as good as it is today. And we must major on faith today so that faith will be adequate for tomorrow. And we need to realize that we are not in total control of our lives. God is. And no amount of money, influence, power, or planning can guarantee tomorrow. Only God can grant us another sunrise or another breath. So instead of saying, I'm going to do this or that and make this money and go there, we should say, if God wills, if God is, allows me to do it and provides the opportunity, I will do that. The Lord must be in the picture. He holds the entire universe together by His Word alone. He can take our lives at any moment and he will still be a good God. He is God and we are not. He's in charge and not us. And so James is challenging us here to demonstrate an attitude of submission to God. To acknowledge that all, our, all of our life is to live out in recognition of the fact that God is sovereign. And He is in charge of everything. He commands the future and He runs my life. Uh, Pascal wrote a book called Pansies. Uh, lots of quotes in there and this is one of the quotes that he mentioned Pascal say let each one examine his thoughts and he will find them all occupied with the past and the future we scarcely ever think of the present and when we think of it it is only to make light of it to arrange the future the present is never our end the past and the present are our means the future alone is our end. So we never live, but we hope to live. And as we are always preparing to be happy, it is an inevitable we should never be so. Because we are, you are always using your present, you are always using your today to plan for tomorrow, but you actually don't live. 
Someone say this, it was spring, but it was summer I wanted. The warm days and the great outdoors. It was summer, but it was autumn I wanted. The colorful leaves and the cool dry air. It was autumn, but it was winter I wanted. The beautiful snow and the cozy bed. It was winter, but it was spring I wanted. The warm and the blossoming of nature. I was a child, but it was adulthood I wanted. The freedom and the respect. I was 20, but it was 30 I wanted to be mature and sophisticated. I was middle age, but it was 20 I wanted. The youth and the free spirit. I was retired, but it was middle age I wanted. The presence of mind without limitations. And now I am dying. And suddenly, I realize I forgot to live. I forgot to live. You must live one day at a time. Your regrets will come if you don't live today. Regrets will come if you don't live today. There was a story about a doctor called one of his patients in his office and delivered some very important news. He said, I received the result of your test and I have some bad news and some good news. Which one do you want first? And the patient sensed kind of the severity of the announcement. Tell me the good news first. Say, well, you only have 24 hours to live. What? Good news? Good news? I mean, good news. Say, yeah, you've only 24 hours to, to live. So, what is the bad news? I was meant to tell you yesterday. <laughs> it's meant to tell you yesterday. We cannot presume about tomorrow because life is unpredictable. Life is brief. And the solution we must is we must live each new day. Maybe poets, maybe artists, maybe they reflect a lot more about life. There's a play called Our Town. Uh, depicts the magnitude of the present, the fullness of each moment amidst the fleeting nature of time in our lives. Emily was a young mother who died in childbirth. She was given the opportunity to go back and observe a single day in her life. She is advised to choose an ordinary day for even the least important day will be important enough, the date reminds her. True enough, Emily chooses a day and quickly finds herself overwhelmed by it. Her ensuing lines are fascinating. And this is what she said, Emily said, I can't go on. It goes so fast. I didn't realize. So all that was going on and we never noticed. Take me back up the hill to my grave. But first, wait one more look. Goodbye. Goodbye, world. Mama, Papa. Goodbye, clocks ticking and Mama's sunflowers and the food and the coffee and new iron dresses and hot baths and sleeping and waking up. Oh, earth. She said, earth. You are too wonderful for anybody to realize you. And upon returning, Emily wonders if anyone ever realizes life while they live it. Life as it is. Every, every minute. And the response she receives is pointed, no. The saints and poets, maybe they do some. Every moment is so precious. That you don't end of the life, you realize that you forgot to live. So we have to live every day to the full. The third mistake, the third mistake that uh, we can make is not just planning without God or presuming about tomorrow. The third one is 
putting off doing good. In verse 17, uh, James warned us concerning about future. Putting off doing good. Don't make this mistake, James said. James said, anyone then who knows the good he ought to do doesn't do it sins. This is not the sin. We often think of sins as sin of commission. We don't really think about sin as omission. We don't really think of sin as omission. And here, it raises even the bar higher. Anything Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do doesn't do it sins. Devastating, isn't it? How do you meet up to it? Aren't you glad for the cross? Aren't you glad that we're saved by Jesus on the cross? How many of the things that we things that we ought to do but we don't do? And here, putting off doing good. Putting off. We always think there is tomorrow. There's tomorrow. When I retire, when this thing happens, when this thing, when I have enough money, when this, 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 this. But I always remind people, well, if you can't do it now, you won't be able to do it tomorrow. Because you think you can do tomorrow because you think that the things that occupy you now, by then, those things will not occupy you anymore. But let me tell you, when you reach that time, new things will occupy you. Those things that occupy you may not occupy you now, but new things will occupy you. You think you retire, you can do certain things? Ask the retirees here. Your body starts to fall apart. Grandchildren start to come along. Babysitting and whatnot will come. Yes? Grandparents, yes? Agree? It comes along. And so we always only think like that. Oh, those things that occupy me now, it's okay. In the time, I won't have any more. New things will come and occupy you. New things. It's just like your table. You know, a lot of people have a cupboard. You try to clear your cupboard. You think you forever have space. And then one week later, the cupboard is filled with new things again. Or you clear your fridge. And then after that, new things will come in. It will not stay like that. New things will come in. And so one of men, another mistake James warned us is putting off doing good. And so what is the solution then? It's very simple, isn't it? Do it now. Do it now. Do it now. Someone said, procrastination is my sin. It brings me nothing but sorrow. I know that I should stop it, so I will tomorrow. And there's a procrastinator creed. If you want to join this club, you have to adhere to the creed that says, I believe that if anything is worth doing, it would have been done already. I would never rush into a job without a lifetime of consideration. I, be I truly believe that all deadlines are unreasonable, regardless of the amount of time given. I shall always decide not to decide, unless, of course, I decide to change my mind. I shall always begin, start, initiate, take the first step, write the first word, and then I get around to it. I will never put off until tomorrow what I can forget about forever. So do not procrastinate. What you need to do, you need to do it now. Some of us, we need to do that because delayed obedience is disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Some need to be baptized. When are you going to get baptized? Tomorrow? 
Some need to put the Lord first in your finances. Tomorrow? When you have enough money, when you make your millions? Some need to love their kids more. Oh, when I have more time. Others need to start serving others by using the gifts that God has given you. Whatever your next step of spiritual growth is, do it now. Don't put it off. No one has the promise of tomorrow. All we have is the moment. Look at Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back later, I'll give it tomorrow when you now have it with you. Whatever you intend to do for the Lord, uh, do it now. It's always now. N-O-W. Whatever the Lord places on your heart, do it now. Do it now. There's a story about person so grateful that he decided to do something now. And this is her, this is his uh, uh, words, okay? He said, after 21 years of marriage, my wife wanted me to take another woman out to dinner and a movie. She said, I love you, but I know this other woman loves you as well and would love to spend some time with you. And the other woman that my wife wanted me to visit was my mother who has been a widow for 19 years. But the demands of my work and my three children had made it impossible to visit her, only occasionally. That night, I called to invite her to go out for dinner and a movie. And movie? I said, what's wrong? Are you well? My mother said. And my mother is the type of woman who suspects that a late night call or surprise invitation is a sign of bad news. And then he went on to say, I thought that it would be pleasant to spend some time with you, I responded. Just the two of us. She thought about it for a moment and then said, I would like that very much. And that Friday after work, as I drove over to pick her up, I was a little bit nervous. When I arrived at her house, I noticed that she too seemed to be nervous about our date. She waited in the door with her coat on. She had curled her hair and was wearing the dress that she had worn to celebrate her last wedding anniversary. She smiled from a face that was as radiant as an angel. I told my friends that I was going to go out with my son, and they were impressed, she said, as she got into the car. They can't wait to hear about our meeting. So we went to a restaurant that, although not elegant, was very nice and cozy. My mother took my arm as if she were the first lady and after we sat down I had to read the menu her eyes could only read large print halfway through the entries I lifted my eyes and I saw mom sitting there just staring at me a nostalgic smile was on her lips they say it was I who used to have to read the menu when you were small she said and then it's time that you relax and let me return the favor, I responded. And during the dinner, we had an agreeable conversation, nothing extraordinary, but catching up on recent events of each other's life. We talked so much that we missed the movie. And as we arrived at her house later, she said, I'll go out with you again. 
but only if you let me invite you. And I agreed. When I reached home, my wife asked me, how was your dinner? I said, very nice. Much more so than I could have imagined. And a few days later, my mother died of a massive heart attack. And it happened so suddenly that I didn't have a chance to do anything for her. Some time later, I received an envelope with a copy of a restaurant receipt from the same place mother and I had dined. An attached note said this, I paid this bill in advance. I wasn't sure that I could be there. But nevertheless, I paid for two plates, one for you and the other for your wife. You will never know what that night meant for me. I love you, son. And then the postscript of this man, he said, at that moment, I understood the importance of saying in time, I love you, and to give our loved ones the time that they deserve. And nothing in life is more important than God and your family. Give them the time they deserve. Because these things cannot be put off till some other time. So do it now. Don't put off doing good when the Lord plays on your heart to do. You must do it. Mother Teresa was a popular, late Mother Teresa was a popular figure, but the man that attributed and put her on the map is an English journalist by the name of Malcolm Margaret, that some of us are very familiar with. And because he, he did an interview and a documentary on BBC that broadcast to the world. And she wrote a book as well, so beautiful. I can't remember the title of the book. But Malcolm Margaret, at the end of her his book asked Mother Teresa one question. What is one thing you want me to tell to the world? What is one thing you want me to say to the world in my book? And this is what Mother Teresa said to Malcolm Margaret. She said, tell the world it is never too late to do something beautiful Jesus it is never too late to do something beautiful for Jesus and I want to close with that pertaining to our future it is never too late to do something beautiful for Jesus thank you Lord Thank you for your word. Thank you for reminding us that our lives is in your hand. You are in control. We are not. We are not in control. Life is too brief and unpredictable. We have today we don't always have to regret about our past or worry about our future. We are present. Today, we have. And whatever you place on our heart, we need to do it. 
Thank you, Lord. You're a good God. You're a good God. We fear that no one will be paralyzed by our future. You are in control. Our salvation is secure. You're in charge. We sin, we can come back. We fall, we can, you lift us up. We thank you for that. Help us, Lord, that every time we plan, we involve you. We don't presume about tomorrow. We act on it today. Precious time that you've given to us. Help us to be aware of life, aware of today, aware of our family, aware of our church members, aware of our neighbors. As we go walking, or just aware of people and live fully every sacred moment that you've given to us. Thank you, Lord. As we begin 2018, once again, another year you've given to us. We pray that we, as we sing these beautiful songs, that we are reminded again and again in Christ alone, in Christ alone, in Christ alone. Our hope is found. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Amen. Would you stand as we close uh, this beautiful hymn? In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my life, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled and striving cease. My comforter, my all in all, here is the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless faith, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save. Till on that cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ I Christ in me, my life was 
you, Lord. Our future is secured. There is no need to fear. You are in control. You are in charge. We just need to live our lives for you daily, daily, daily for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. May the coming year be one of increased riches of grace, uh, hearing his voice more clearly, knowing his heart more deeply, resting in his love more fully, trusting his care more completely, walking his pathway more peacefully, knowing his presence more intimately, blessed by his goodness more abundantly. And in all things, may you know the salon peace of God, encouraging you to move forward, empowering you to boldly take each step, greeting you as you turn a new corner, calming your heartbeat as you walk through dark valleys, softening each footstep as you climb rugged mountains, and increasing your courage as you follow your shepherd wherever he leads, now and forevermore. Amen.